Intimacy is the connection of two souls, the dance of hearts in harmony. Welcome to the show. Can you imagine a world where love is shown not just by what we say, but by what we do? A world where the quiet moments we share with someone speak louder than words, and a simple hug can say more than any language ever could. As you start your day, let these words inspire you. Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech-language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community, a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life. Welcome to a special episode of the Listen for Life Aphasia podcast. We know, because we listen, that aphasia can make it tough to find the right words to connect with your loved ones. And often the everyday stresses that a family with aphasia is going through tends to put space and distance in between romantic partners and non-romantic partners. That's why we're talking today about why intimacy matters so much and how you can keep the flame of love burning even if words fail you. We're going to talk about ways you can provide touch to help with connection. We're going to talk about how we can make time for each other to get that connection. I'm going to introduce the connect model. We're going to hear from Shirley and her husband. We're going to hear a story from them about a couple of strategies they use to reconnect with each other. We're going to talk about practical tips for nonverbal communication through a Q&A session. And then we are going to talk about how do we establish a new habit. Lots to hear on the show today. I hope you'll stay tuned. We're jumping into today's show with talking about ways a person with aphasia can provide touch. For those experiencing difficulty with language, finding your words, expressing yourself, you might be wondering how you can communicate through touch when words can be so difficult to come by. So let's give you three quick ideas. The first one is the shoulder squeeze. Uh, Why does it have to be a big deal? Why do we have to make a big deal out of touch and affection. Something as simple as a shoulder squeeze can show that you care, you're there with the person, and then you can move on with your activity or your day. What about hand holding? What about making a ritual that if you sit on the couch at night together and and watch a show, that you sit close enough that you can hold hands for a few minutes or even sit close enough where your shoulders are touching or your legs can be touching. Why not reinstitute a goodnight kiss if you have a romantic partner 
or a good night hug or a good night squeeze. Those are just three simple ways a person with aphasia can provide touch to their loved one. But how in the world can we make time if we're stressed and overworked and have tons of worries and other things we need to consider? So I've spoken to many, many of my families who face the same challenge. They feel like they've lost the connection and the intimacy that they once had with their loved one. And it's not that they have deliberately avoided it. Um, but life with aphasia, as you all know, can bring a whirlwind of stresses and challenges. And as a result, that connection and intimacy fades over time. It fades into the background. And one day you may wake up and realize, what happened? You know, why am I feeling disconnected? So what are some potential solutions to bringing back that love and feeling? Who's the artist, uh, you know, from way, 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 I can't even think of it. I should have looked it up, but I didn't. You know, we want to bring back that loving feeling. Again, this is not necessarily for just romantic people, but it's for anybody who wants a connection. So first, it's crucial to recognize that making time for intimacy or connection doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It can start in small steps. Consider setting aside a dedicated moment during the day. For instance, morning coffee, morning breakfast, sit together, hold hands for a second, or have a hug to start the day. What about uh, right before bed? I mentioned earlier a kiss before bedtime or a hug, some way to connect, a hand squeeze, a shoulder squeeze. Think about how you'd like to connect physically, if it's your partner, if it's um, a sibling you're taking care of, if it's a child, or whoever it could be. Where can you find the time? And what resonates for you? What kind of touch do you like to receive? What kind of touch do you like to give? Sometimes we have to stop for a second and think about it. Remember, it's about incorporating intimacy into your daily routine and adapting to what works best for you. One thing I've personally had to do is disconnect from work at night. And what hubby and I decided was that we're going to sit together in the evenings and we're going to sit close enough that we can, you know, cuddle together, hold hands uh, sometimes he drapes a leg over me or I drape a leg over him and we just watch a show. It's nothing fancy, but it's a way that for at least a half an hour every night, we are connecting. So I'd like to introduce you to the CONNECT model. And again, I'm about acronyms to help make these tips and strategies more salient, more uh, visible. So this CONNECT model, and we're going to uh, apply it to a story I'm going to share with you in just a couple of minutes. But let's go through what does CONNECT stand for. C is for compassion. Approach each moment with empathy and with understanding. O is for observation. Pay attention to nonverbal cues and emotional signals. N is for nonverbal rituals. 
create meaningful gestures or rituals. Rituals meaning um, activities, right? You do coffee and breakfast the same way, or you have your coffee and sit in front of the window and look at the birds in the bird feeder. The second N is for natural movements. Embrace everyday situations for connection. Figure out where you can fit it in. E is for eyes. Utilize the power of eye contact. Being present in the moment when someone is speaking or when they're trying to communicate, whether it's with words, sentences, gestures, stopping what you're doing and having eye contact goes a long way to building and retaining connection. C is for communication. Learn to listen to nonverbal language. Again, you have to slow down long enough to pay attention, right? T is for touch. Use language of touch to convey love and connection. So that is the acronym CONNECT. C, compassion. O, observation. N, nonverbal rituals. N, natural moments. E, eyes, C, communication, and T is for touch. So if you would like to have your copy of the Connect model, you can find a link in the comments or in the show notes, and you can get your own printout. And I highly recommend you do print it out, put it on the refrigerator or your bathroom mirror to remind you to be present. So let's have an example about Shirley and her husband. You all met Shirley uh, last year when we were talking about the holidays. We talked a lot about Shirley and her husband. Um, Shirley is the one who has aphasia. So they have graciously uh, consented to letting me share their story with you today. They were feeling like uh, they were roommates in the house. Shirley used to run the household. She used to do all the grocery shopping and the cooking. They're both retired, by the way. And Shirley had a significant stroke that left her mostly wheelchair bound. And even though she could comprehend pretty well, it was very hard for her to form her concepts and get her words out. So sometimes she would communicate with just words an occasional phrase and gestures and pointing, those kinds of things. And so with Shirley Stroke, her husband has had to take over more of the responsibility of the home. He's doing the cooking and the grocery shopping and managing all the larger household tasks like the bill paying and, you know, making decisions for the family, those kinds of things. So for them, it had been a couple of years since Shirley Stroke and just really gradually over time, they kind of drifted apart. They didn't feel like a husband and wife anymore. They definitely felt more like roommates or caregiver and care kind of a thing. So when I talked with them about the Connect model and that we just kind of brainstormed, they came up with two different things that they wanted to try in their relationship to try and get back to that connection. The first thing they both decided they wanted to do was working on shoulder squeezes, right? It, sound, it probably sounds really corny to you, right? But because she's in a wheelchair, she 
she doesn't get around quite as easily, but her husband, if he's passing by her, if she's busy doing something in the living room and he's passing through, he can just go by, give her a little shoulder squeeze, give her a little hug, a smile, and keep on moving with his day. They found that when they started actively incorporating that into their day-to-day existence, that they started feeling more connected. Uh, Several weeks after they had initiated that, we were talking about how, and it's going to sound funny, how they slept together because she has weakness on one side of her body and he has some medical situations that he has to approach the bed from a certain direction and she because of being in the wheelchair, has to approach the bed for transfers and safety and all that kind of stuff from a certain direction. Well, we problem solved it and figured out that if they rearrange their room in such a way that they both could now go back to sleeping in the same bed. They had had to start sleeping apart because of these uh, different situations that they both needed at night. So Shirley's husband spoke to their adult sons who came over and with his guidance and direction, the sons rearranged their bedroom. So now Shirley and her husband can sleep in the same bed again and they could hold hands or, you know, their arms could be touching or their legs could be touching at night. They both found that this, as simple as it sounds, really helped them reconnect and feel a lot less like roommates and much more romantic. So it's been several months. And when I last talked to Shirley, she and her husband were very happy with these changes that they had made in their life. So I'd like to pivot here and do a little question and answer. I've had some questions asked. Um, I put out a question on social media about how do you connect or if you don't connect, give me some questions that I can try and field for you and see if we can put this connect model into real life situation. So here's the first question. Uh, And I'm not revealing any names, by the way. It reads, I've noticed my partner with aphasia becoming more quiet and more withdrawn during family dinners. How can I show my understanding and support without words? So I do know a little background regarding this question that it's um, a husband in his 50s who had had the stroke and it's been several years and they have Uh, some later age kids, meaning uh, one is just starting college, but is commuting to college, but living at home. And then they have a high school senior. And so one thing I would recommend for them is being able to include the husband with things like making choices for dinner or uh, sitting down with him and talking about the grocery list and trying to draw him in, be more involved, Uh, talking about would you rather have lasagna or hamburgers, giving some choices by just the wife sitting down and spending a little extra time with him, uh, wanting to know 
uh, his choices and getting his input and also add in a little squeeze, add in a little hug, say a little thank you, show some gratitude. That can go a long way to helping draw out the person who has aphasia and start making steps of being included and then throw in a little bit of physical touch and you can be well on your way to starting to build back that connection and uh, reversing that feeling of being withdrawn. Here's another question. Uh, it reads, it is so much work to care for my spouse and I shoulder all of the household responsibilities. Sometimes I resent my husband for having had the stroke as I've had to take on all the stress and manage everything. I want a connection with him, but we have become so distant now. How can I make a change? So let's go back to the connect model. So first thing is you probably need to sit down and have a minute just to talk. Whether he can completely engage with a conversation or not, you need to show compassion for your husband who had aphasia because think about it from this perspective. He's had a change in identity. Where whoever he was before the stroke, he now is a different person who cannot com, uh, connect, cannot talk, maybe cannot comprehend to the extent that he could before, where he was an active participant with everything that had to happen with a family. So if you first start by sitting down and showing compassion for each other, he may or may not understand how your role has changed and how it could be difficult for you having taken on all these additional responsibilities. But perhaps you could start by just sitting together and you, the wife, talking to him about, this is really hard. How are you feeling? Asking for his input, starting the conversation, because I know that when I get stressed, I'm only able to see things from my perspective and I can't put myself in the other person's shoes. But one of the first ways you can start to change that is by showing compassion for each other. Observation, pay attention to their nonverbal cues and emotional signals. If you see him, if you're talking to your husband with uh, who has aphasia, and you see his body language change, if he drops his head, if he looks away, and he won't make eye contact with you, pay attention. Maybe say, honey, why'd you stop looking? Or can you look at me? You need to start paying attention to these nonverbal cues because the person with aphasia can give you lots of information even without words. Think about what you can do. What kind of rituals can you put into your daily routine? Again, I talk about coffee and the birds, and but what works for you? What could you do? Again, it's about becoming present in the moment. It's about not letting the stress and your to-do list and everything that's got to be done overruling taking that 30 seconds to connect. Eye contact, eye contact, and more eye contact. That is so very important. 
if your husband who has aphasia is avoiding eye contact, think about why could that be? Uh, communication. You have to listen to their nonverbal language. What are they saying? And then think about T for touch from the Connect model. Use the language of touch to convey love and connection. Let's move on to another question. I miss the hugs my husband used to give me in everyday moments like when I'm cooking dinner or when he would pass by me on his way out to the garage. How can I convey to him that I still need those hugs and how can we reintroduce them into our daily routine? That is a great question. First, I would start by having an open and honest conversation. Speak at the level that makes sense for, you know, his aphasia, right? You Sometimes you just have to keep it simple. Honey, I need more hugs. When you walk by me, can you just squeeze my shoulder? And, and another point is you may have to demonstrate to him what it is you need. You may have to make that initiative and start that touching to start building back that connection. So those are just a few quick questions and answers. You think about how you can use the connect model in your situations. So let's talk real quick about how do we establish a habit. So I'm asking you all to be more present with your person with aphasia. Stop and smell the roses for a second. Pay attention to nonverbal cues. Pay attention to what's being said between the lines. But if we're going to make a change, we have to make a habit out of it. You won't start a habit unless you purposefully get into one. So first thing, for, uh, we have five steps to establishing a habit. Super quick, we'll go through these. Step one, start small. Begin with simple, non-intimidating gestures. Just a brief shoulder squeeze or a hand squeeze or a smile can be your starting point. Step two, consistency is king. Make it a daily habit. Maybe you just give a hug in the morning, you say good morning and you give a hug and just call that the habit that you want to establish. When you get that established after a couple of weeks, then maybe add something else, but consistency is key. Step three is trigger it. I call it anchoring. So you get ready for bed, the teeth are brushed, the jammies are on, it's ready to get into bed. Maybe you have to help your husband transfer into bed. When he gets into bed and settled, maybe you give him a kiss on the cheek and say goodnight. Let that process of getting into bed and settling in be your trigger to starting that touch, that connection. Step four, reinforce with positivity. Whatever you practice, whatever you have chosen as your way to connect with your person, focus on how it makes you feel. If you're the person with aphasia and your spouse is giving you or your adult child or your grandkid is giving you a hug, say thank you. Say thank you with your eyes if you can't say the words. 
Focus on how it makes you feel. Be positive about it because when you pay attention to those positive feelings, it makes you want to have more of them. And when you want to have more of them, then you think about hugging and touching and building that connection. So step five, be patient with yourself and with others. Habits take time to develop. Don't be discouraged if it doesn't feel natural right away. Keep at it. And over time, it will become a cherished part of your relationship. The journey from no intimacy to forming habits and building back that connection is about making small intentional steps. Start with simplicity, build consistency, and watch how these small touches, uh, these gestures, these ways of connecting can transform your connection with your loved one who has aphasia and also for their connection with you. By embracing the connect model, you can transform your journey with aphasia into moments of compassion and understanding and profound connection. Intimacy isn't just about words. It's found in the moments that you share. So I dared you last time and I have another dare for you this week. I invite you to take a moment after you've listened to this episode and reflect on one thing you can change. What is one time during the day you can be more present and work on your connection with your person with aphasia? If you're the person with aphasia, you are not off the hook either. If you want connection, let's help you figure out. You, the caregiver, might have to facilitate this type of connection. You might have to be the one that initiates it, but with time and with explanation and with consistency, the person with aphasia can start doing their part too. It's challenging to talk about these strategies in a general way because every person's journey with aphasia is very different. But I hope you can take these ideas, use the connect model to help foster your connection and make a more memories with your person, have that connection, build intimacy. Let's not lose that love and feeling. Let's build it back one step at a time. Until next week, folks, have a great week and find the joy in your life. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Let us know in the comments section. Wishing you a fabulous week.